It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome back to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. It is a rainy Friday, July 9th, and we are talking to Michelle Rayner. Michelle was the first openly queer Black member of the Florida legislature, and now she is running for Congress to represent Florida's 13th district. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us this morning. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I, I want to start with the campaign, but I feel like we should start with the weather. How, how are you guys doing down there? It's very wet up here. Yes. So it ha- Elsa passed. Um, and thankfully, there was not a lot of damage. Um, I actually slept through the storm. Um, and so it is sunny. It is humid. <laughs> and there's mosquitoes. So, yes. All right. All right. So we're all going to get through it and we're all going to get through it with a lot of mosquitoes. That is that is definitely going to be the watchword for the weekend. So let's talk about the campaign. Um, I want to ask you how it's going. I, I want to ask you why you ran. I think a, a lot of attention has been paid to the fact that you would be the first black queer woman in Congress. So let me start there. Like how much of your campaign is talking about your identity and how much of it is talking about issues? Is the national media focused on this too much or does it actually represent a a pillar of your candidacy? Yeah, so, I mean, here's the thing, Jess. Like, I show up at the intersections of my identity every day, right? Like, I can't separate Mm -hmm. that I am a Black queer woman. Like, I can't separate that. However, I have always ran on the issues. I have always ran on... um, on making things better for my community when I initially ran and we realized that I would I was going I was poised to be the first queer black woman to ever hold public office in the state of Florida that wasn't the the cornerstone of my of my of my campaign or the work that I do it's now and with so with that said does representation matter absolutely but for us Mm -hmm. for us and me and my camp that is not the nugget or the cornerstone of our campaign. Now, have other people, you know, focused on it? Yes, and, and I think that we also have to have that conversation, right, because it's 2021, and the fact that I would be the first openly, you know, <laughs> queer black woman to, uh, to be in Congress, I mean, that's still a conversation that needs to be had. But what I'm still finding out is people in my yes. district, people that I currently represent as a state representative, but people here in Pinellas, I mean, you know, to the point of your last um, – your last guest. I mean, people are trying to figure out how to feed their kids. I mean, I just tweeted yesterday, I retweeted another state representative that, you know, daycare is at least $1,245. And can you imagine if you don't make minimum wage? Can you imagine if you don't? I saw that on your Twitter feed. I, I can, can we unpack that a little bit? 12, like we're all, we all know that the, 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 the cost of child care is inordinately high. But twelve hundred and forty-five dollars a month for daycare. 
Yeah, and this baby is, I believe, is not even one. And, I mean, and it depends where you live in Florida. It depends where you live in the United States. So even to that point, you know, the people that I talk to every day, they actually need someone that that's literally going to fight for them to get to get the things that they need. And that's the work that I've been doing in the state house. And I think that when this opportunity opened up um, to possibly run for the seat, the question became, where could I do the most good? Is the most good in the state house, you know, yelling and fighting and getting scraps, which there is a need for that, right? Or is the most good going mm-hmm. to Congress and actually bringing back, you know, tangible resources to my district that desperately needs it? And that's really what it came down to for me. See, this is why I love women running, because like that always seems to be the calculus. There's a thing I want to fix. How can I fix it? Oh, running for office seems like that's a good way to fix it. And then that calculus just gets applied to every subsequent move. And it's like, wow, if every single elected official thought that way, we would have a really good government. Uh, right. I mean, we would. I mean, there would be less need for people to kind of abandon their lives, put their lives on hold, expose their lives in such a way that is really intrusive if folks would just actually, to y'all's point, be nice to each other, be kind to each other, have empathy towards people <laughs> and actually actually govern in that way. Because at the end of the day, my team always hears me say this, like this political world, it's real but it's not real it's real because there are real life consequences but all the yes people all the people that are like you're just great that's not real that that doesn't really matter what really matters is what's the work that you're doing how are you affecting people's lives are people's lives like when you are going and legislating policy and making policy are you keeping in mind the most marginalized of us because I really believe if I keep in mind the most marginalized of us and when I'm legislating, when I'm legislating, right, then the rest of us are going to be fine. And in my mind, the most marginalized people in our, in our nation are black trans women. So if I keep them in the forefront of my mind, we all going to be okay if I'm legislating for them. Right. And so that's how I think, but I mean, I know that, you know, that's not everybody. So it's it's like Congresswoman Ayanna Presley says that people closest to the pain need to be the people closest to the power. I think that's one of the most important edicts I, I've ever heard on the show, and I, I carry it with me everywhere. Can I ask you, when be, because you come from an unconventional political background, if if it, if you're here in the year of our Lord 2021, you are still going to be the first anything that that means that no one's done it before. So. Talk a little bit about your background, and I want to know for for people who might be out here listening and think and having thought about a run themselves, like what was the moment when you realized that you needed to be a candidate? That that was that that was the right way to correct the wrongs that you were seeing. Yes. Yeah, so I will tell you, I started off as an assistant public defender here in um, here in Florida, and that was the job that I wanted. You know, a lot of people, like, when they come out of law school, they're like, oh, I don't know if there's any. No, I wanted to be an assistant public defender because I really, I interned at a public defender's office. I really believe that folks deserve quality, you know, representation regardless of their mm-hmm. income level, right? And then so after I left the public defender's office, I started doing private criminal defense work and civil rights work. And it was when I had a case actually 
with Attorney Benjamin Crumpy and I worked on this case together. It was a case of a young man, Marquise McLaughlin, who was shot and killed at a gas station and died in front of his children, his son, specifically in the store. Mm. And law enforcement let his killer walk and be unarrested for 25 days due to the stand your ground law. That was in 2018. And that was kind of like the, like, huh, wow. Like, we passed these laws, right? And we talk about them in these, like, very, like, you know, you know high-level, high-brow ways, right? But not realizing that there are people who are going to have real-world consequences about the law, dealing with the laws that we pass. And Marquise's father said this to me. He said, you know, Ms. Rainer, I heard of Stand Your Ground. Like, I knew what it was. I just never thought that I, my house, my home, my child, I would, I would be affected by it. And that was in 2018. And then yeah. the seat that I currently occupy now came open. And actually, it was Ben Crump that was like, so what do you think about this? And because we have been talking about Sandra Ground, we've been talking about ways to repeal it, we've been talking about ways to deal with it. And he was like, what do you think about this? I was like, no, no, you know, because I would be the first. I don't know, Ben. I, and if anyone has ever met him, he has a way of kind of really gently encouraging you to be like, no, I think this is your moment. And um, yes. And so, and so that's kind of what happened with that. I mean, he is he is a persuasive man. And that is a good lesson to everybody that like, you know, these women, like, you know, people in your life who ought to be considering running for office. And the number one way to get a woman to run for office is to ask her. We don't wake up like like the guys do where we're like, huh? Yeah, I could be a senator. It's like you you have to tell women that they that they should do this. And so if you know a woman like that, this is just my my regular PSA. If you know a woman like that tell her that you heard this conversation this morning and you were like, yeah, you should be a candidate. It might be the first time that she hears it and she might decide to run. <laughs> so I tell me agree. what kinds, right. Okay. So tell me what kinds of conversations you're having with voters in Florida. Like what are, what are the major issues that come up? Because I feel like we're, we are spread all over the place. We could talk about climate. We could talk about COVID. We could talk about infrastructure. Like what, what do the voters that you knock on their doors, what do they want to hear from you about? I mean, right now we have a affordable housing crisis here in our district. So that is a huge issue. We have um, folks who are not able to have, afford to really have a roof over their head. And if they do, they have to make concessions of what bills they're going to pay. We have climate issues, right? I mean, here we have issues with red tide, but we also have environmental justice issues in certain parts of our our area. I know in my house district, there there's clean water issues, right? So we also have mm-hmm. infrastructure issues. So I mean, there's there's a, there's a gamut of issues that can that need to be solved. But unfortunately, the majority in my state legislature and the minority in the in the U.S. House they want to have they want to play culture wars, right? They want like, and I always say like, y'all are filing bills that nobody asked for. No one, like, whenever I knock on doors or talk to voters, no one's like, yeah, you know what? That hateful bill, that anti-trans bill, that's the bill that we want to file. Or, you know what? I don't want to have more access to voting. (laughs) Yep, go ahead and do that one. That's the one. No one says that. And so right now, I mean, we're coming out of a a once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, but 
we still have a long way to go, and it has exposed all of the inequities that we that a lot of us have been yelling about and knew to be true. So at this point, like, what are we going to do? This is our point to either either work on it or just let it be. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have a real opportunity, <laughs> and I don't think that we need to be in a place to miss that opportunity. I, we let it be for a real long time, and and then we we hit 2020. Like, that was the result of letting it be. <laughs> like, I don't want to do yeah. that again. I, I don't think very many Americans want to do 2020 over again. So let's maybe make some changes so that we have a different result next time. Um, I wanted to ask you about working in the Florida legislature because that sounds terrifying to me. That that sounds like um, like going into battle every single day. The Republican majority in Florida is um, a particularly virulent strain of 2021 Republicanism. What is it like trying to fight for good and people and facts and science when you have to go into a building with people who are living in a completely different reality? Like, what is that day-to-day like? Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. I mean, it's it's challenging. I, I, you know, I have always thought of myself as a person that can probably find common ground with anyone. You know, I have dealt with prosecutors. I have dealt with folks on the other side of issues. And it is challenging. I mean. Did we lose you, Michelle? Ah, I'm worried that we've lost her. I'm worried that it's a weather thing. Ah, damn rain. Well, hopefully as we try to get her back, (laughs) we will be able to continue that conversation because I'm obsessed with what it is like if that is your colleagues, like if those are your colleagues, if if you have to walk into a building and have a conversation with somebody who thinks, oh, Michelle, are you still there? It sounds sounds like I can hear you. I'm here. I'm back. I'm back. Yes. Uh, Beauty of technology. Fabulous. Keep going. Tell me what it's like. I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's challenging. I mean, it's challenging because you have to really, um, I think this, this session was particularly challenging because there was just a lot of hateful bills. We had a bill that uh, restricted folks' rights to protest that was a direct response to the George Floyd murder. We, and we had a bill that was an anti-trans youth bill that restricted children's ability to play sports, which I ended up breaking down on the House floor because I just was, I couldn't understand why we were discussing this in 2021, the year of our Lord, right? I couldn't understand that. I, we had <laughs> a, a voter suppression bill. So all of those things of, and, and you would have people that would kind of pull you to the side, like, yeah, like, this is some foolishness. Like, I, I agree. And then I would, be, and I would mm-hmm. have to so vote against it. Oh, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. You know I can't do that. <laughs> no, like, you can oh, do no. what you want. Like, I mean, and, and understanding. And, and so it, 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 was, it was just very challenging because, um, you know, there were certain bills that I had filed that were not going to get heard. And then mm-hmm. the bills that, you know, I, w- I was able to pass, 
you know, you have to, as as someone in the minority party, as a Democrat, you have to work, you know, a hundred times harder just to get really good policy passed. And it's just, it was just very challenging because there was just very strong agenda of the culture wars that really was just birthed in the former in the former president's ideology. And it just was like, are we are are we legislating to to please him, or are we legislating to help folks in our <laughs> districts that we come back from? I wish we could just laugh at their I mean, it's it's funny when they go after Captain America. It's funny when they go after Dr. Seuss. It's funny when they go after the Muppets. But like this culture war fight hurts kids like they seem to be targeting specifically trans kids, which is like, well, that's not funny anymore. Now. Now we're now we're harming our children. Like, why do you think that focus is here? And and I and I, I love how much you are willing to 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 be on the offense on the other side on behalf of these kids. What is that? What is that dynamic? like so like i like i'm really trying like not to cry when i talk about this because like i just like i felt a lump in my throat um yeah like so it was birthed from my understanding in this cpac and i understand that the former president has made speeches about attacking children trans children and um i just i don't know like because I, cause I can't even think like that, Jess. Like, and that's the thing that, like, you know, as a queer woman, you know, people are like, yo, y'all got the Equality Act and, like, y'all yeah, can get married. I'm like, um, like, and y'all can get married. I'm like, and, you know, certain agencies, the Supreme Court just said certain agencies could tell me and my wife we can adopt a child. <laughs> certain folks. But, I mean, we have so far to go, right? Because, once again, if all of us don't have access yeah. to all of our freedoms, none of us are free. And I, I, I can't really have a conversation about the legislation that attacks trans children, attacks babies or children without getting just like really angry because I don't understand. No one has been able to give me a good reason, um, except when mm-hmm. they try to explain to me they misgender these children. They are disrespectful to their families. They are disrespectful to who these children are and how they were born. And to me, I just, if my 77-year-old mama who was super saved, loves Jesus, all the things can understand this, you're telling me that you can't understand? No, like, I'm not. Like, I don't buy it. Like, it's hateful. Like, it's hate. That's just what it is. (laughs) You know? Yeah. If if you could wave a magic wand and have a different discussion in the Florida State Legislature, like what should we be like what is what what should we be talking about? Like what do you want? Like if if we could if we could put all of those stupid culture war distraction issues aside, what should be the big debate in Florida right now? I mean, I think the the debate in Florida, and I think as well in the nation, is well. One in Florida specifically, we need to fix our broken unemployment system. I mean, folks can't log on, folks can't get in mm. contact with people. Those, so that's that's you know Florida specific. But I think that if we are going to be having conversations just na- in Florida that I think translate nationally and translate to like why I'm running. Like we need to talk about min- we need to talk about minimum wage. Like we we can't. You're telling me we can't have a conversation about why people need to make a living wage. We need to talk about making I don't know childcare affordable or paying people a living wage so that they can afford childcare. We need to talk about what does it really mean to have affordable housing and allowing people to have roofs over their heads. What does it mean to make sure that um, 
that in the state of Florida, but also nationally, that LGBTQ folks have access to all of their rights. Hell, that black folks have access to all of their rights. Hell, that brown have access to all of their rights. What does that mean and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What bills are we putting forward? Why are we, <laughs> why is it we're restricting folks' you know, access to um you know, even to, to healthcare. I know in Florida, you know, they, you know, anything of quote unquote expansion is, you know, we can't do it. But I don't know, baby. It does need to be healthcare. Does need to be expanded. You know, I, I, I don't know. That would just be a thought. You know, I think that there are so many issues that, at some point, if we have legislator, legislatures, state legislatures that are Republican dominated that are refusing to act, we have right now a democratically held. Uh, U.S. House and U.S. Senate, Washington has to step in and say, okay, we'll be the adult in the room. Yeah. And if folks want to help you, they can go to your website, which is Michelle for Florida, Michelle with one L dot com. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It was been really awesome. Thank to talk you. To you. Thank you. And thank you for having Please me. Please come back anytime. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show.